0: Marks and I am uh have the privilege to stand before you today and I'm just excited about all that the Lord is doing. In the life of his people, in the life of his church, um, we're just grateful to God for all that he's done, all that he's doing. I I I've had a uh a, a bit of a week this week, um, just in terms of circumstances and difficulty. But my God is great. My God is great, even in the midst of that stuff. And so even right now today, I stand here before you, I ask for you, for your prayer. Um, my wife is not here today, um, because she's in the emergency department getting checked out. She's getting some tests run. She's been having issues all week, uh, just with pain and, um, some other pretty, uh, disarming s- symptoms. Um, but even in the midst of that right now I, I know that God is able he's able to heal her body right now as she's laying there in the hospital bed. so y'all pray for her uh, send her some love, send her an encouraging text if you if you can and um, let her know you're praying for her and um, pray for me as I'm a little distracted or a lot distracted this morning um, as I'm speaking to you today so um, keep us in prayer and um, pray my strength in the Lord this morning. So um, we're in the last installment in our series titled Trust the Process. You guys been enjoying this series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So this, um, this series has been about our daily sanctification and what it means for us to grow in Christ and be shaped in him. So I got a message titled for you today. Trust in hope. Trust in hope. So I'll be in John chapter 14 verse one, one through four today. So hear this, the goal for any follower of Christ and as you and me, is to become more like Jesus. That's what this is all for. Like, we didn't just get saved to go, whew, I made it. <laughs> like, although that's good, and that's great, but God saved us because he wanted to shape us into something. He wanted to form us into the image of his son so that we can be agents of reconciliation and ministers of the gospel to go out into the world and proclaim that Jesus is Lord. So, he's shaping us to look more like his son because his son was able to change the world. Amen? And so, if he forms us and shapes us into the image of his son, then we'll be able to change our little world that we find ourselves in. Okay? So, part of that looks like this. God is pointing us in that direction towards looking like his son, and sometimes we fail to see that while we participate, it is God who is changing us, but God is calling us to participate in that, and it's not an overnight process at all, it's a process by which God calls us to trust in him, and so what does it look like to trust the process? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it for you up here on the screen. So uh, John chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. Hear these words of our Father. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. I am going away to prepare a place for you. If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. That's a good word right there, y'all. That where he is, we might be there also. Then he says, you know the way to where I am going. Father, bless this, your word, today. God, I pray that you would speak truth to us. God, help us to respond today uh, to your word. God, help us to have full passion and full vigor and, 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 and be fully ignited by the word of God. And God, I pray, Lord, that as I speak today, Lord, that you would stand in my body and that you would think through my mind and that you would speak through my mouth. And God, I pray that the words of my mouth. And meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, and my redeemer, in whom I place all of my trust. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all all right? All right. Y'all talk back to me today, okay? Encourage uh, encourage me a little bit. Because, uh, you know, when they was on the TV screen and the Sixers was playing and they said, trust the process, y'all was screaming and hollering. Ah, Sixers. But when your pastors say trust the process, you ain't saying nothing. So, y'all talk back to me today, okay? Because, listen, I, I, I need to go see about my wife, uh, but I, I need your help to help me preach today, all right? Is that okay? All right, so if you hear something that you like, say amen, all right? And if you hear something that you don't like and hurts a little bit, you can say ouch, all right? So, just talk back to me, to, to give me something here, some energy today, uh, because, uh, not because I'm preaching, but because this is the word of God, amen? And the word of God should ignite our hearts. We should be encouraged by the word of God, all right? Alright, so here, a man approached a little, a little, a little league baseball game, and um, he just walked up to the baseball game one afternoon because he wanted to watch. I think that's a little weird. Personally, he had no kid there. He just kind of went to the game. But he asked a little boy in the dugout what the score was. And the boy responded, he said, it's 18 to nothing and we're behind. No, he, say, he didn't say we're losing. He just said we're behind. And the man responded, he said, boy, I bet you're discouraged. And the little boy responded and he said, why should I be discouraged? We haven't even been up to bat yet. Do I have any believers in here today who believe that as long as you still have an at bat, that there's still hope? Does it have any believers in here today who believe that as long as you're still alive, there's still hope? Are there any believers in Christ in here today who believe that as long as you still have breath in your body, that there's still hope for your life? Anybody here believe that as long as you still got your mind and all of your faculties, that there's still hope for you? The old song used to say that as long as I've got King Jesus, everything will be all right. And that's got to stand true and resound for some of us in here today is that, that, that our jobs can't sustain us, our money can't sustain us, our relationships can't sustain us. But as long as we've got King Jesus, everything will be all right. I'm here to proclaim some hope to you today, and I'm proclaiming that you ought to trust in hope. And so as we trust the process, here's what we got to do. We got to have hope. We have to have hope, people of God. And the place where we got to have hope is we got to have hope in our hearts. Here, Jesus, he's telling to his disciples, he's talking to them, and he's letting them know. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. See, this word here for trouble means to cause inward commotion. We know what that is we've got some inward commotion going on right now in our lives we've got some voices that are in our hearts some voices in our minds that are trying to distract us and tell us things that 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 are against what god has promised and what god has declared over us we've got voices in our hearts and in our lives that are speaking things over us that god has not spoken over us so this, this this inward commotion that Jesus is referring to here, he says, don't let your heart be troubled or don't let your heart have its calmness taken away from you. He's saying to us that our greatest impediment is tr- to trusting the process is our own inward commotion. See, a, a, a state of a commotion is a state of being confused by noisy disturbances. See, we find ourselves being confused in our circumstances each and every day. See, the commotion just gets louder and louder in our minds. And and when we make the decision to listen to what the world is saying versus listening to what God is saying, that noise gets distracting to us and we're not able to live in the hope that God has called us to live in. So we find ourselves being confused, We're consistently battling with our own confusion. Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? Will I be able to sustain in this life? And see, the commotion in our hearts, here's what it does. It forces us into anxiety, depression, and doubt. I got a witness in here today that, that, that there's been times where you've been faced with, with some circumstances that led to you having anxiety about them that, that, that you face some circumstances that have led you into depression and I'm not just talking about being clinically depressed where you need some medicine but I'm talking about the type of depression where you feel like you don't have any hope see and at, and at times if we're honest we allow our circumstances and our difficulty to allow us to dip into depression and here's what happens with that depression it ultimately leads us to doubt See, this, this doubt that we're led to, it causes us to question God and to question His goodness. See, see, this depression, it leads us to doubt and it causes us to question God and ask if God is really good or not. See, we get in the midst of stuff and we start asking questions of God like, is God really real? See, my, m- my mother wouldn't be suffering with cancer if God was real. We say stuff like that. We say stuff like, "God, if God were all powerful, my cousin would still be here and he wouldn't have fallen victim to murder in this city. See, we we say stuff like that when we're faced with difficulty and commotion, but Jesus is calling us and charging us. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. See, we, we walk around and if we're honest, we often lose our minds in the midst of the process. See, the process of sanctification, we we get there and and we oftentimes lose our ability to think properly because we're not focused on the hope that we have. We're focused on the, the, the here and now. See, and in the here and now, when we focus on that, we miss the opportunity to see the things that God is calling for us to see, like his love for us and his care for us and the confidence that we can place in him is because we're too busy focused on the here and now. So what we do? We walk around like the Joel and B crying meme, with <sighs> our lip poked out because we just lost when we should have won. See, we walk around like the, the Joel and B crying meme instead of walking around like we have the franchise tag on us. See, if we, if we were really focused on what God was doing in our lives, we would recognize that although we might have just lost in that situation, we've got the franchise tag on us. See, if we were really focused on the hope that we have in Christ, we would not worry about the things that are happening to us, but we would worry about the fact that we are sons and daughters in Christ. See, we have, a, a, we have an inheritance in Christ which holds us and infirms us to let us know that we've got the franchise tag on us, we are part of the team of God, and that he'll never let us go, and that nothing will allow us to be st- taken from his hand. See, we've got to know the reality that we are his and that one day, watch this, he tells us that we're going to be with him. That's good news, y'all. That's really good news. Like that's, that's really good news that one day we'll get to be with him. So y'all in here today? Y'all, y'all, y'all quiet. Y'all quiet on me. I need y'all to talk. See, this 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 word can also mean to stir or agitate the water. This word for trouble. And oftentimes we stir the water to test the temperature of the water. You know what we do. We run our hand out of the faucet like this. Or we dip our foot in here to test it. We stir it real quick to see what's going on in the water. That's not going to do nothing to the temperature of the water. You got to turn the knob. Um but we do that to test the temperature of the water. What I'm saying to you today is this. Don't allow your circumstances to determine the temperature of your faith. See, it, we allow our circumstances to determine the temperature or, or the, 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 the heat of our faith. See, Jesus tells us, he says, I'd rather that you be, that you be hot or cold. He says i don't want you to be lukewarm so he's telling us pick one like choose where you're going to be either you're going to be cold and you're not going to have no faith or you're going to be hot and you're going to be full of faith and you're going to move forward in every situation and every circumstances holding firmly to the faith that you have in christ jesus which is this is that god promised that he'll never leave you or forsake you and he promised you that when your mother and your father leave you the lord will still be with you he promises us that he will always be by our side he says lo i am with you even until the end of the age And here's the reality is is that God is with you, that you've got everything that you need. See, if Jesus is by your side, guess what? You've got everything that you need. That's why the woman who had the issue of blood, she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be made whole. That's why the, the disciples, they had power is that they would walk past people and their shadows would heal them. See, because when Jesus is present, when Jesus is around, then we have everything that we need in order to sustain in this life. So here's what I want us to understand here, is that the reality is, is that in trusting the process, here's what happens. God oftentimes allows the agitation of the waters of our lives to occur. Here's why he does. He allows the the agitation of the waters of our life to occur because he's cleansing us through that agitation. I bought a new washing machine sometime last year, and one of the things I noticed when I got the washer was that it didn't have the little thing in the middle. And I was like, I was confused because I didn't know what the thing was in the middle. So I didn't even know what to ask the guy like, hey, how come that thing is not there? Because I didn't know the name of it. So, you know, I had to do some some research and I had to go on Google because, you know, Google is research. And um, so I got on there. And I said, you know, I'm going to do some quantitative research and figure this thing out, because, you know, that's what you do. You get on there. And I said, all right, let me do, do this. And I went on there, and I found out that the little thing in the middle that spins your clothes around is called an agitator. And see, the agitator is what causes your clothing to be clean inside of the washer. See, it's one thing for your, your clothes to get in the water, but just being in the water doesn't make them clean. See, they need something to agitate them while they're on the inside of the water in order to make them clean. And that's what God does with our lives when he agitates the waters. He says, don't worry about this circumstance. Worry about the fact that I'm making you clean. He says, don't worry about the difficulty. Worry about the fact that I'm cleansing you and I'm doing a new thing in you through stirring up the waters of your life. He's making us clean inside of him. So sometimes God is going to allow the waters to be stirred in your life. And he's all right with that. We learned that in the first week with trusting in our trials. That's part of the process is trusting our trials and God will agitate us. See, sometimes here's what happens. Watch this. When you don't agitate the water, what happens to it? It gets stale. See, and when you allow the water to just sit, it'll get stale and it will not be sufficient for the use that you require it to be useful for and that's what happens in our lives. So God decides that he's going to stir us up and he's going to do some agitating in our lives so that we don't get stale. And then we can remain useful for the purpose that God has for us. So here's what a God is calling us to this. He's calling us to understand that he's agitating our lives. He's agitating these things and he's calling us because of that to believe. He says, believe in God and believe also in me. See, in other words, Jesus is saying here, have faith in me. Be persuaded that I am who I said I am. Be be confident in the fact that I am who I proclaim myself to be. And so Jesus is here. He's speaking to his disciples. And and I got to give you some context about this passage is that Jesus had just let his disciples know that he was going to be leaving them. He just let them know that he wasn't going to be with them. And in fact, some of them were going to face some persecution as well. He told them that in, in chapter 13. And so, Peter, the one who always asks questions, he says, well, well, where are you going, Jesus? And instead of Jesus rebuking him like your parents do when you was little and you asked them where they was going, <laughs> my, I never told me where she was going. <laughs> She's like, I'm out. Mind your business. <laughs> I'm like, dang, I just just want to know where he was going because... I mean, you're leaving us here. She just never told you where you was going. I'm grown. Like, I, yes. I, I'm, I'm aware of your grownness and all that stuff. But I just was asking a question. Stay in the shower. All this, all this stuff. Now, I never verbalized none of this because I was terrified of my auntie. Because she was terrifying. Anyway, <laughs> listen my brother. My brother over there in the corner saying amen. Look, <laughs> we, we've got to be persuaded that God is in control of our life. And we have to place our hope in him. See, hope is defined as a feeling of expectation for something to happen. See, and Jesus is calling us to have hope and expect him to. To perform his work in us. See, we must be persuaded of Jesus's power to work in us. We must be persuaded in God's ability to keep his word to us and we must be persuaded of Jesus's care for us. See, oftentimes the problem is is we get distracted is because we don't think that God is powerful enough to complete what he started. And see, the reality is is that God is not like us. He don't need to take a break in the middle of a project that he's been working on for three months. See, God is able to complete the project and complete the work that he started when he feels like getting it done. But he's powerful enough to do it without any help from anyone. So we, when we get in the midst of stuff, we, we start thinking, is God really powerful enough to be able to handle this situation in my life? That's what happens with us. We get in the midst of stuff and we start doubting and questioning God's power. But God is powerful enough to do everything. Here's what he does. He sits up from sleeping inside of the boat and tells the water, peace be still. He tells the raging sea to chill out, calm down, stop doing all that noise while I'm trying to sleep. See, our God is powerful. He's strong and he's mighty. He told the ocean, don't don't you go no further than that. You stay right there. You know, y'all know me. I love nature shows. So there's this is one nature show where I, I watch. The, there's a sea. There's a particular uh, ocean where the waters on on both sides. You can see the difference. One is blue and one is is, is murky. The waters come together, but they don't mix. That's the power of our God. Who can take the molecular structure of water, something that we can't even hold in our hands, and he can tell it don't go any further than that, don't mix with that other water, you stay right there. So you've got a God who can tell water don't mix and tell it don't go any further than that, and you're worried about what's going on on your job. You've got a God who's powerful enough to hold the sun just far away enough from us that we don't burn up and just, clo- and just close enough that we don't freeze. He's able to place the stars in the sky and we're worried about our relationships? Come on, we, 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 we've got to recognize who we serve. Our God is powerful. Next, we've got to be persuaded that he's able... To keep his word to us. Scripture says that God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. See, God is able to to do more than you even think you need him to do. And see, that's what happens. And that's why we get confused. And that's why we oftentimes lose hope is because we're expecting God to do a particular thing a certain way. When God is saying, you sit down somewhere, I know what I'm doing. I got this. I'm going to do something in your life that's even greater and better than what you're expecting me to be able to do, because I'll do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ask or even think. So we sit. And, and we wonder, and we lose hope when stuff is going on, and when trials are happening in our lives, and when the and when the world looks like it's against us, and when our families turned our back on us, we lose hope because we don't realize that God is going to give us a new family in Him. We don't recognize that God has got something better for us. And then, lastly, we got to be persuaded of God's care for us. God loves you so deeply that he would send his son to die on a cross for you. That's the greatest kind of love. Scripture says that love had no man, greater love have no man than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. And God displayed the, Jesus displayed the ultimate act of love for us by dying for us. Any, any man, any, any person in this room worth their salt, if they saw a, a, a child in danger, would run to try to save the child. Any person worth their song. Even if that meant that it put you in a little bit of danger. But yet and still, that act of altruism does not live up to the act that God would perform through sending his son and punishing his son who was innocent and did nothing wrong to die on a cross in our place. And that's because of God's great care for us. So here's what hope implies. i am give you a little a- acronym. Hope is this. H, hold on to God's word. God is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. Oh, have an optimistic outlook because of Jesus. We can be confident about the future because Jesus has settled our present. See, we could be confident about what the future holds for us because Jesus has secured the victory for us when he rose from the grave and he, ca- he captured sin and death for us and he took the keys and now he has the victory. So we have victory in the future. So nothing that comes our way will be able to throw us off. Nothing that comes our way will be able to get us off track. Nothing that comes our way will allow us to be in a place where we don't have the victory because Jesus, has made us victorious. The writer of Corinthians even even asked death the question, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? See, we don't even have to worry about death because God has secured the victory for us. P. Purity in the grace of God. See, hope and purity go hand in hand. See, if, if we don't walk in the purity that God has called us to, it is a sign that we don't have the hope that he has given to us. Here's what I mean. Oftentimes, we get into situations where we start doing stuff to try to make things work for us. And, and that, God, that, that thing that we try to make work out for us, it causes us to do some things that we wouldn't normally do. Like in some of our relationships, we start rolling around with some people that we know we shouldn't be rolling around with because we're trying to make stuff work out for us. And that's because we're not holding on to the hope that God will give us the relationships that we need. So we try to manufacture stuff and then we start doing things that are impure that we know we shouldn't be doing because we're trying to sustain the relationship that we think we need to have. Hope and purity go hand in hand. You've got to stand firm and believe in God. And then E, enduring no matter what happens. We've got to endure. Church, the problem is this. We live in a culture where if stuff is broken, we just throw it out and go get something new. We don't live in a culture anymore where if something breaks, you fix it. That's not our culture. In fact, something breaks. We go and write these long reviews on Amazon and and tell them off about their product being bad (laughs) so so you can get a free one. (laughs) They will send you a free one. (laughs) but we go in there and complain and act as if we didn't have something to do with it breaking in the first place. And see, the problem is, is that when our lives are going crazy, we won't admit that we had a role to play in it. And so when God calls us to endure, it's because we live in a culture that tells us is that something doesn't go your way. Just throw it out and pretend like you had nothing to do with it falling apart. But if we're honest with ourselves and if we tell the truth and the reality is this, is that there's always something in whatever situation that you find yourself in that you could have did a little bit better to make sure that that thing didn't go the way that it went. Especially your relationships. Oftentimes we put our relationships off and we say, she crazy, bro. Like she tripping, man. Like something wrong with her. Like John tripping, like. maybe you not calling her back after she texted you and said she needed to talk to you for a particular reason because you was out with your boys and doing what you do. Maybe that had a little bit something to do with why she's acting crazy. Just a little bit. Maybe you had some part in it. But God is calling us to Endure. He's calling us to endure no matter what happens. And that's what hope is. Hope will cause you to endure through difficulty in life. And here's what hope will do. Listen, I'm watching right now. I got one of my neighbors formerly. There was a big circumstance that came up in their life. And uh, my family, we were there for them. And they, they would openly say that they don't have any kind of faith. They don't have any faith. They're not religious is what they say to me. All this kind of stuff like that. But when the thing came up in their life and we were there for them and we showed up for them in a big way, now I'm watching as they are now like commenting and posting on stuff that I post on online. That's about God. Where before, they didn't do that kind of stuff. And now they're they're, they're there and they're liking stuff and they're commenting on stuff. And I'm just watching. I'm watching what God is doing in their life. They don't even know it. They don't even know what's happening to them. But the love of God is starting to have an impact in their life, and they don't even know it yet. And I'm watching because I've seen this time after time. I'm watching, and guess what I'm doing? I'm just enduring. I'm just holding on. And that's what God is calling some of you to do with some of the people that you've been trying to share the gospel with on your jobs and the people that you've been trying to share the gospel with in your family. God's saying, just hold on and endure. Have hope just wait in there continue to show them the love of god continue to endure continue to stand there when they when they don't proclaim god and when in fact when they diss god in front of you just stay there and endure god is at work he's doing something you just got to have some hope and know that god is more concerned about their salvation than you are and to know that god wants them to be in his family even more than you want them to be in His family and guess what you've got to endure and we talked about this last week the biggest way that you can endure is on your knees Endure on your knees in prayer. Seek God on behalf of those. I gotta move. Next, you gotta hope in heaven. See, Jesus says here in verse two, he says, in my father's house, in my daddy house, are many mansions or rooms. If not, that's the King James version is, is mansions. And That's how I learned this per- verse. But he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If not, I would have told you. Jesus is like, just believe what I'm saying. I'm telling you. See, according to Jesus, watch this, heaven and hell are real places. See, we live in a culture where even self-proclaiming Christians would say that there's no hell they're lying because jesus talks about hell therefore there's a hell and jesus talks about heaven so there's a heaven see heaven's not a product of just religious imagination or the result of some psyched up mentality that's looking for the pie in the sky and see in our culture with all the uh mystery cults and black identity coats that are around, one of their biggest complaints or one of their biggest gripes against the church is that we sell people a bag of wind by telling them to hope in heaven. And I get what they're saying. I understand. But the reality is, is that the reason they say that is because they don't have any true vision. They can't see the things of God because they are not adhered to the word of God and when you are adhered to the word of God you can begin to see some things that you wouldn't be able to see if you were not planted and firmly rooted in the word of God see when you're in the midst of a situation and you hold on to the word of God you can guess what you can see the end of that circumstance because the word tells you some things about God that he won't leave you and he won't forsake you see when you are able to hold to the word of God you can see the end of your situation because you know that God is in control of your life and he won't leave you out there by yourself and that he's holding on to you and that he has you firmly in his hand. When you adhere to the word of God, you will know and be able to see further through your situation than you would if you're not adhering to the word of God. So, heaven is the place where God dwells. That's why Jesus says it in my father's house. He's talking about heaven. He says, it also says this, that, that Heaven is the place where Jesus sits at the right hand of the father today. Heaven is described as a kingdom in second Peter one. It's described as inheritance in first Peter. It's described as a country and a city in Hebrews chapter 11. But here in John chapter 14, it's described as a home. See, heaven, believers, I'm talking to you. Heaven is our home. Oh, you should have got more excited about that than you did. Heaven is our home. And see, the the thing about home is this. I travel a lot. And when I travel, oftentimes I I reach a limit. I reach a certain point where I'm like, I'm just ready to go home. Anybody ever been there before? You've been traveling somewhere and you just, you just tired and you ready to go home. Like, I don't want to be in this airport no more. I don't want to sleep in this hotel room no more. I want to go home. And see, we've got to have that type of mentality when it comes to heaven. See, when, when we're in the midst of difficulty and circumstances, while we're just travelers here on this earthly plane, we've got to have our minds fixed on home. And if you're a believer in Jesus, guess what? Earth is not your home. Heaven is your home. And so when you find yourself in a place where you feel like you're just running on empty, guess what? Just long for home. When you find yourself in a place where you feel like you're depleted and you're run out of energy, guess what? Just long long for home. When you find yourself in a place where you're sick and tired of people always saying stuff to you negative and they're getting on your nerves and you're just wishing like you're just sitting at your desk. I just wish I could go home. That's what God wants us to do with heaven. He wants us to long for our heavenly home. Earth is, uh, earth is not our home. Heaven is. That's why Jesus says I'm going, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That's so, that's good news. That Jesus didn't just say, all right, you saved now, you get to go to heaven. And you get there and there ain't nothing ready. You ever showed up to somebody's house for a party and wasn't nothing ready? Like, you couldn't even sit down because nothing was ready. Couldn't even, like, get no juice because nothing was ready. Like, dang, like, what you invite me here for? Jesus did do that to us. He says, don't worry. I've prepared a place for you. The word means to make many preparations. So, Jesus uses the language of betrothal in this passage. See, betrothal is similar to our modern day engagement, right? But betrothal was more permanent than our engagement. Cause you know, people be doing these elaborate engagements. Like they be doing this stuff like and they be pulling people out for flash dancing and all that stuff and they have mobs in the middle of the waterfall and stuff like that and They go and they have uh, Brian McKnight come and sing like they did on Martin and all this stuff like that. Like they come and they do all these elaborate engagements. And then three months later, they ain't get married. They did all that performing to proclaim love, but it wasn't rooted in anything. So betrothal was different. It was when 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 Mary came to Joseph and said, listen, I'm pregnant by the spirit of God. People start asking Joseph, you gonna put her away? In other words, you gonna divorce her. So when you were betrothed in this culture, you were basically married. And so that what it, that looked like was this Jesus or the betrothed, the bridegroom would go away for a period of time, some mostly it was most commonly like a year, they would go away. After they had got the the approval of the family to marry the woman, because they weren't cowardly and they actually went and got uh, approval and, and asked for the hand of the woman. So they got there and they asked for their hand. And guess what? They didn't stop there. They had to pay a dowry in order to be able to get married to the woman. So they had to show something and show that they were serious about being married to them. And so after they did all of that, guess what they would do? They would pay this dowry. They would they would have this betrothal and then they would leave. They would leave for like a year. And they would be gone to go make preparations for their new bride. And that's what Jesus does with us, the bride of Christ, his church, his His love, the one who he loves, his bride. He has gone away to prepare a place for us so that when we move in and we can have comfortable couches to sit on when we get there. When we move in, there's going to be food in the pantry when we get there. When we move in, we won't just be sitting on the floor saying we love one another and feeling all these good feelings. But he actually has prepared a place for us when we get there. So listen, ladies, if that joker ain't willing to prepare a place for you, then don't you get married to him. Amen. So listen, he goes and he does this. And however, this engagement, because here's what this engagement was, this betrothal, it actually sealed the deal. And when Jesus says this, he says, don't worry, I'm going to prepare a place for you. What he's saying is, he says, you don't have to worry about a thing. The deal is sealed. And see, oftentimes the reason why we're not able to trust the process is because we're uncertain about our standing in Christ. See, the reason why we're able to not able to trust the process is because we're unsure about where we actually stand before God. But if you're in Christ, here's what I want to let you know. Your standing is secure and you have assurance of your pardon in him because of Christ. He completed his work on the cross and he accomplished what he said he would accomplish. So you don't have to worry about a thing. You are sealed in Christ Jesus. That means he's committed to you. He won't let you down. In fact, he says, listen, if I go away, I'm going to come back again. And some of you just need to get that down in your spirit. That although it may seem like God is not with you, I know he's going to come back again. Even though I'm sitting in this dark situation and it looks like things aren't working out and situations are rough and tumble, I know that God is going to come back again. Even though I'm sitting in the midst of this dark and and desert place, I know that my God does His best work in the dark. He stood over the darkness of the world and He said, let there be light. God does His best creating and His best work inside of the dark. So if you find yourself in the midst of a dark situation, just trust and know that God does His best work in the dark. That's why he says, when I go, I'm going to come back again, and I'm going to take you with me so that where I am, you may be. See, that's the good news of this passage is that we get to be where Jesus is. And I know that some of you in here, you've been in love before, and all you wanted to do was just be where they were. Like, it didn't even matter, like, you know, some of y'all husbands and wives, y'all be with each other in the bathroom. Like, person just in there using the bathroom, using the facilities, and you just got to be in there like this, just with your arm on the thing, just looking at them because you're so in love, like, all that stuff like that. Just be stinking in there, and you're just leaning on the thing. Anyway, but you just want to be where they are. And Jesus has given us this promise. He says, where I am, you will be also. See, I love the writer of Hebrews. He says this in in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. He says that we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure, or sure and steadfast. See, y'all know I love nature shows. I'll be watching that stuff. I'll be watching those little fishing shows and all that stuff. And one of the shows I watch, they, they, you know, they throw the anchor down because they do the deep sea stuff. So they go drop the anchor and they drop the anchor down and, you know, it swirls down. What an anchor does is an anchor keeps you from drifting. See, this works. But sometimes the winds and waves are too strong and they knock you to and fro. That's why you need an anchor to hold you down. And see, temptation uh, uh, in, in, in this life, those are the winds and waves of, 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 our, of our lives. Oftentimes, we get tempted because our eyes see other things outside of what God has prescribed and we look at it and we think that the grass is actually greener on the other side. But the reality is, is when you see green grass on the other side, it's because you haven't watered your own grass. And I want to let you know that you've got to do some watering of your own grass and the watering of your own grass takes place by you having hope in Jesus and knowing that he has promised you good things in your life and that he will give you life and life more abundantly. You don't have to look to the other side where it looks a little bit greener and the reason it looks greener over there is because ain't nobody walked on that over there. You've been walking on this and pacing back and forth. That's why yours looks a little brown, but you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus and know that he is that anchor for your soul anchors only let you go but so far see when you begin to drift the anchors that hold you your hope won't let you go off the deep end and go crazy see the problem with some of us is this we find ourselves in situations and we don't have no anchor That's why we can do any and everything that we want to do without any consequence, because we are not anchored by our hope in Christ to know that God promised me a new life in him. He promised me an abundant life and this life that I'm trying to manufacture for myself will not ever live up to the life that God is calling is God is going to give to me. So if I just stay in place and hold on to this, hope, I won't drift too far into some stuff that I know I have no business drifting off into and anchors, they hold you in place. See, when life throws everything at you, hope will hold you in place. When you go through challenges as a parent, hope will hold you in place. When you go through challenges as a student, hope will hold you in place. When you go through challenges as a spouse, hope Will hold you in place, and here's where you got to place your hope in. In verse number four, he says this. He says, "You know the way that I am. You know the way to where I am going." See, here's what Jesus is saying to us: is this is that we have to have our hope in Him. See, the way is is a traveled road, but but more than that, it talks about a course of conduct or a way of thinking. So what Jesus is saying to to his disciples and what he's saying to us is, he says, "You know, to you know the way to where I am going because I've left you my commandments and my word in order for you to follow. And it is a well-traveled road if you just adhere to the things that I've said to you, and you'll know to you know how to get to where I am if you would just have the right course of life and the right way of thinking or feeling. See, the problem is, is that we get all caught up in our feels." See all of us we we have a tendency to be all emotional about stuff and we won't adhere to what the hope that we have in Christ is is because we're too billy, too 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 busy adhering to 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 what we to to we're too busy adhering to what our feelings are instead of adhering to what the hope is See hope outweighs feelings And when you have hope, it doesn't matter how you feel because you can hold on to your hope even when you're feeling sad. See, hope doesn't have any indication about what you're feeling. You can be happy and have hope. You can be angry and have hope. You can be sad and have hope. You can be downtrodden and still have hope. God don't care about what you're feeling. He's saying hope in me. Place your hope in me. And so here goes Thomas in verse five. He says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? No Thomas, no doubter, but he was on point in this passage. He says, wait a minute. You talking about we know where you're going. We don't know where you're going. So how are we going to know how to get there? And then Jesus poetically responds like this. He says, well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. And from now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Jesus is here in this passage proclaiming his deity. I love when people say that Jesus never claimed to be God. Yes, he did. All over the scriptures, he claimed to be God. And this is one of those passages where he tells you very clearly he says if you he said from now on you have seen the father because you've seen me And what Jesus is letting us know is that He is the way. He is the proper course of life for you to have. He is the truth. He is the proper or objective way for you to believe, and that He is the life. He is the source of everything that you need. So Jesus is letting us know here in this passage. He says that in the midst of whatever you got going on, place your hope in Me because I'm the way. When the midst of whatever you got happening in your life, place your hope in Me because I am the truth. In the midst of whatever you got going on, place your hope in Me because I am the life. And in Me no man comes to the father but through me. So if you want access to the father, if you want access to heaven, guess what? You've got to go through the way. If you want access to God, you want access to the father, guess what? You've got to know the truth and that is Jesus. And if you want to have access to God, you've got to have the way, the real true life and that is Christ Jesus. He is the source of our life. God is calling us to have hope. And as I close out this series, this, I, I'm done. Y'all can come on up. As I close out this series, I want to leave you with this in your heart. Is that you have to have hope in God when it seems hopeless. Theologian G.K. Chesterton says this. He says that hope means hoping when things are hopeless or it is no virtue at all as long as matters are really hopeful, hope is merely flattery or platitude. It is only when everything is hopeless that hope begins to have its strength. So when everything is all right, it don't matter if you have a hope. God is saying, I need you to have hope when things look like they're going to fall apart. Church, I want us to believe so firmly in Christ that we hold on to the hope that we have in him even when things look like they're going to fall from under our feet. And the reality is this. God has given us hope in his son. All we have to do is grab it. We've got to hold on to that hope and believe that everything that God says is true. And that will sustain us in this life. That's going to be what causes you to grow in Christ. That's going to be part of your daily sanctification is holding on to that hope in Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't know about that hope. But I'm here to let you know that hope has a name. And its name is Jesus. You could try to place your hope in other things. It will fail you. You can try to put hope in relationships. It'll fail you. You can try to put hope in money. It'll fail you. You can even try to put your hope in your family. Guess what? They're going to fail you too. And that ain't a knock against them. But that does speak to the weight of our God. Is that he will never fail you. Your hope, you'll never lose hope in him. If you have your eyes fixed on him when you have your eyes fixed on him, you can truly see that yes, this situation looks tough. But when I looked up, I saw God. There was a missionary in China. He and his wife were on their way to be executed for crimes against the state which was just them proclaiming the gospel. And as they were on their way to be executed, a man stopped them and he asked them, where are you going? And that great missionary, he responded and said, we're on our way to heaven. See, we've got to have a hope that's so strong that even in the midst, in the face of death, we know where our fate is. We know where our hope lies. And that our hope is in Christ. And that if we are in him, one day we're going to see him again. We're going to see him in heaven. And if you're here today and you're not sure about that hope, you're not sure about where you're going to end up when you die, let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Well, one day almost 2,000 years ago would go to the cross. After being born, being sent from heaven, born in a manger, lived the perfect sinless life, would do miracles, heal people, heal their sickness, raise people from the dead, cure their blindness. He would be sent to the cross. And the cross was the Roman Empire's perfected form of execution. So they would beat him and then hang him on the cross. And while on the cross, Jesus would make some last statements. And one of those statements was, it is finished. He would commit his spirit into the hands of his father and say, I've done the work that you called me to do. And in his dying, we have forgiveness from our sins. Every believer in here will attest to you that they are a sinner. I'm a sinner. You are all sinners. Scripture says that we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. But because of Jesus, we are set free from our sin. When he rose up from the grave after three days with all power in his hand, holding sin and death and their power over us, We don't have to be slaves to sin anymore. We don't have to be slaves to death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Won't you place your faith and trust in Jesus today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in here today and you want to place your faith in Jesus, we ask that you just slip up your hand. We want to pray this. We want to pray for you. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to doubt. God is in control of your life. And he promises us a new life in him and life more abundantly. Is there one who wants to place their faith and trust in Jesus? You might be saying, I'm too young. Some of you might be saying, you're too old. That's not true. God will save both the young and the old if you just place your faith and trust in him. Won't you trust him? Trust the Savior today. Father, I pray today that anyone under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you today, that you would reach into their heart and begin to chip away at the stoniness in their heart and give them a heart of flesh that is able to receive. God, I pray that you would awaken the deadness of their hearts and bring them into newness of life. Scripture lets us know that we were dead in our trespasses and our sins, but Christ made us alive. Make some alive today in you. Father, by your spirit, we pray that you would do a new thing in your people. It's by your power and by your might that we pray these things with thanksgiving in our hearts knowing that you will accomplish everything that you said you would do. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray.